And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is August 9th, 2021. This is episode 327. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on this week's show, we're going to make some bold predictions on baseball and the future of the Baltimore Orioles. We'll also talk about why Hair has some banger songs on it. Banger. Banger. It's going to be that kind of show, everybody. It's been uh, that kind of week. Yeah. And we're going to do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this evening? Scotty, currently I'm working through, well, truth or, or truth. truth. In this case, it's the truth uh, by Flying Dog. This is their Imperial IPA, uh, and it is officially yummy. Yeah, that's a chewy IPA, definitely. It is definitely high on the IBU content. This is still left over. Uh, from the game in which my father and all of his friends uh, did their best. To How did you do mind. by with that, by the way? Uh, you come out ahead or negative or? I, I. Um, do you owe an international slot pick to one of your dad's friends? I paid uh, $20 okay. to play cards for 12 hours. Okay. That's the way I look at it. Okay. So you lost $20 is what I'm hearing. I spent $20 uh-huh. for the enjoyment of of 12 hours of company and came out of, with a beer out of and, it and came away that with was your consolation prize that's true with the beer i probably came out ahead so you came in third place in jeopardy is what i'm hearing i did okay i got the home version of the game uh folks i am taking it off this evening in terms of the drink of the week scotty i had way way too much alcohol uh in mexico last week so i'm somewhat still recovering can i ask you a question sure first of all how did they let you back in the country? Uh, apparently, with a negative COVID test. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, what was the what was the alcoholic highlight of your vacation? Uh, alcoholic alcoholic highlight. Uh, honestly, um, you know I'm a favor of orange beverages. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Not surprising there. Uh, I got into a little bit of a love aspect with a mango margarita. I'm not going to hate on that. That's yeah. a perfectly acceptable answer. Yeah, uh, mango margarita. Um, Definitely underrated. Uh, I will probably be making more of them before the summer is out. So, yeah, I think I had... Um, a number. You had a number. I, I had a Jim Palmer amount in, in the given given week. <laughs> if you'd like to know what we're drinking on a weekly basis, come and join us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. I'm at MEGN8606. And with that, let's head on over to the medical wing and figure out who got injured this week. Check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heart beat, fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. It's okay if you giggle. This will Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. Scott, I need to apologize. Okay. I did a thing. Okay. And the universe was paying attention. Okay. Last week, I was a little, you know, I was a little frustrated with the Orioles. Yeah. And I mentioned that um, if the universe were following the script, that shortly after trading away Freddie Galvis, clearly Ramon Urias would have some sort of injury. Clearly. 
Um, so let's start with that. Yeah. Uh, Urias uh, was out of the lineup on Sunday against the Rays due to some upper leg soreness. He's listed as day-to-day. That's that's on me. That is 100% my 100% fault. 100% on Jake English's issue. I cannot apologize more. Richie Martin, though, says, thank you very much. Really appreciate that, Jake, for giving me the opportunity to come back and play for the Baltimore Orioles. But, uh, yeah, I think that's disappointing is, is the best way to put it. Um, Urias has been doing so well as of lately. Um, to see him go day-to-day, um, again, it's not devastating news, but it's disappointing. Let's just go that—let's call, call a spade a spade and just say it's disappointing. How weird is it that we're disappointed about not having more of Ramon Urias? Um, I, I think it's a little surprising, um, but it's one of those situations where specifically at the end of a season such as this, um, in August and September, you're looking for what could the future hold? Um, and there's been many instances in the past where you've seen a stretch for you know 60 days where you say, if that could hold up next season, that's really encouraging. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa. His leg is hurt. Don't say stretch. That's true. That's a good point. Um, you know, and there's other players that have been performing really well lately. Like Ryan Mountcastle has been doing really well, um, you know, leading uh, the league from rookies in, you know, the top five categories. And, you know, he is trying to emulate Orioles greats such as Brian Roberts with getting a concussion. Um, Yikes. <laughs> I award you one yike. You've been back in the country for how long and you've already got a yike in your pocket? Over 24 hours at this point. Yikes. But uh, yeah, Ryan Mountcastle um, is on the seven-day concussion protocol list. Um, yeah, I, again, nothing, nothing that I'm super concerned with. I think this is just going through proper protocol with it. But again, it's it's a shame to see Ryan Mountcastle shut down um, for a period of time when he was starting to you know rake, as it were. Um, so again, disappointing on that aspect in, in terms of Urias. And Mountcastle um, ending up, you know, not being in the starting lineup every single day. And again, I'm not saying they're great players. You know, Mountcastle is probably a better player than Urias is, but I feel like they are kind of players that you need to be looking for that are going to be fundamental as it relates to um, the next generation for the Baltimore Orioles in 2023 through we'll call it 2027 uh, in that ballpark. No, I agree. Also banged up right now, day to day is Severino. Don't care. Out of the lineup on Sunday against the Rays. No, I do care, and here's why. Okay. I care because that means we're down to wins. Mm-hmm. Which no, is, there are no wins on the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> we're, we're down to Austin. Oh, Austin. Which is problematic. Yeah. And we've got some catchers down in the minor, you know, who are injured in the minors. Sure. And so that will just increase the volume for the Rutschman talk. And frankly... I don't want to hear it. Uh, I mean, Severino, get better quick. That's fine. I mean, the, the basis is like, even if they wanted, if Rutschman was the last catcher available, the Orioles would go out and sign somebody off the street in order to not have service time start. Hey, Henry English is ready. He's he, ready. He is, he is ready uh, for whatever travel team is willing to have him at this point. The um, Orioles the Orioles are not that good. Yeah. Uh, anybody else that we're missing here? I know Tyler Wells is a little scuffed up right now in the 10-day IIL. Um, I don't really think that's a major loss at this point. Uh, Tanner Scott uh, is continuing kind of to nurse an injury with the knee. Again, not a huge one. I think Bruce Zimmerman might be the most interesting one to me of um, someone that I want to see a little bit further as the season progresses. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be a great pitcher, uh, and I've said that through the entire season, but I still do think Bruce Zimmerman potentially could be that fifth starter, um, and I think that's good enough. Yeah, you don't you don't have to convince me. I think I'm higher on Bruce Zimmerman than you are, so I'm looking forward to him. Yeah, like back. I said, I'm not super high on Bruce Zimmerman, but 
I I look at Zimmerman and I'm like, there's something there. Um, again, not great. Could maybe be, something there that wasn't there before. Could be. I mean, like, could be even just be a relief pitcher, and certainly the Orioles are going to need them going forward based off this past week. So, amen. Um, I, I think you know, watching Zimmerman and finding out when exactly he comes back. He has had a rehab assignment uh, on uh, on Thursday. Um, I, I think that's going to be the interesting story over the next two or three weeks is just watching to see what happens with Bruce Zimmerman because, um, you know, figuring out what the rotation and what um, the bullpen is going to look like, I think is truly the story uh, for the next 60 days for the Baltimore Orioles. All right. Anything else we're missing in the medical wing? No. All right. Well, let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. Jake, start us off. Well, it's this week on the Twitters. So we have to start with Matt Kremenser. Matt Kremenser, a regular in this portion of the show. He tweets at Matt Kremenser. You should follow him. It's a rule. Uh, he tweets as follows. Cedric Mullins, 4.7 F4. Other Orioles position players combined, 3.9 F4. Oof. I'll say that again. Cedric Mullins, 4.7. Yeah. Everybody else. Yep. 3.9. So again, we, we've got to put this into context, though, because Mullins is number two in baseball. Not not American League, number two in baseball. Um, that sounds okay. That sounds pretty good. Uh, in you know, he's right behind Vlad Guerrero, um, who's I think at five point. Who's a Hall of Famer? Yeah, <laughs> Junior. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I think he's at five point two. Um, based off a tweet that I saw um, earlier tonight. Um, yeah, Cedric Mullins is having a amazing season. Um, you know, I. I said earlier in the season he is having a Adam Jones like season, and then I, a little bit further, I was like he's actually having a slightly better season than Adam Jones. And now I think it's pretty much guaranteed that he is having a, he's going to have a better season than Adam Jones ever did. Um, that is big. I mean, that is a big statement to make right there. I mean, um, Adam Jones is no one to kind of look after or look past or anything like that. So, um. Yeah, that's really exciting. And like I said, as much as it is heartbreaking and an issue to see it on a day-in-and-out basis to watch the Baltimore Orioles, um, Cedric Mullins is a lot of fun to watch right now. Worth the price of admission. Let's just, I mean, can we put that into some context for just a moment? If you look at the leaders, single-season leaders for war, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's not there. He's not at the top. Right. Right. But he's like creeping. Yep, into the territory. And if you look at it, I think uh, offensive war is, uh, you know, like nine, 9.2. Yep. And the the top 10 rounds out at like 7.1. But if Cedric Mullins has one of the best 20 or 25, you know, seasons, you know, one of the best 20 or 25 seasons ever for this franchise, I mean, that is nothing to sneeze at. Not at all. Um, it's interesting because I've looked at this before for Dark Ages Baseball. And again, there are a lot of good seasons in there from folks like Brian Roberts, um, Nick Marcakis. Melvin Moore is one that I don't think people realize um, had so many good seasons of some really high war uh, seasons. Um, I think he's kind of overlooked. Um, not by everybody, but like just in terms of how good he was for a few seasons. Um, so yeah, Mullins, like I said, He's hitting it at the right time. He's not in that aspect of super dark ages. Um, he is right there peaking with, you know, some really nice prospects in the wing waiting to come up. I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. I'm going to disagree with you. About Melvin Mora? If he, <laughs> if he were to have 
a 4.7 war season, mm-hmm. the right time to have it would be 2023. That's true. <laughs> but again, from an age standpoint and everything, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with him having this breakout season. And the dude was in double A. Yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, <laughs> It's a crazy story. I mean, we could just turn this into the Cedric Mullins hour, but again, it's um, That's not it, a bad idea. Next it, time they have a terrible week, let's consider that. But yeah, just look look at Melvin Morris' numbers from. I'm pulling it up right now from 2003, 2004, 2005, 2003, 5.0 F WAR, 2004, 6.2 F WAR, 2005.2 F WAR. Great. Give me another Melvin Moore. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Like I said, bring me, you know, six or seven kids and... Um, and a Harvard County resident. And a Harvard County resident. And, you know, maybe go over and have go to La Tateca and basically have your taco salad with Cat Ripken. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, keep up the great work, Cedric Mullins. You know, you're doing doing some amazing things out there. Uh, speaking about fun things... Um, Are there fun things to talk about this I, week? I guess so. Um, this comes from Rockabaco. I'm not even going to tell you how to follow Rockabaco because you should be. Um, Came out yesterday. Orioles are promoting catcher Adley Rutschman, baseball's top prospect, to Triple A Norfolk. Really? So, Jake, um, I know this is quite the you know conversation. Um, overdue, right in time. What do you think? I think it's right on time. I, I think it's right on time too. I don't think this was a big deal. I know everyone's just like, when are they going to do it? When are they going to do it? Uh, I, I I think this is perfectly fine. I don't I don't, I don't see an issue with this whatsoever. Double A is where talented clubs hold their prospects. Yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, there's and, a bunch of, you know, top 20 prospects right now in the talent pool that are at double A. Um, I, I got no issues with this. Like I said, I think it makes sense for him to go to Norfolk. Um, and it had to be done by the end of the season for him to start with the Orioles um, at the beginning of 2022. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that's going to happen. You don't think he's going to start with the team? No, I think he makes his debut next year. He doesn't start. I don't think he starts with the club. I, I think. I think you're 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 probably right on the basis of service time, um, but I don't think he's too far off. No, no, yeah. I agree. I, I think as soon as they can, yeah, they will. Um, so maybe it's May, similar to what we saw with like Weeders and yeah. stuff like that, like where it was like, okay, hit the minimum service threshold, he's going to be called up. Um, we'll see. Like I said, we'll see what happens. Uh, Elias keeps saying he's not a fully polished prospect he's not oh, a no, fully no. fully polished player yeah of course he's not a fully polished prospect i think that he probably has valuable lessons to learn in triple a just not a lot of them uh i think he is trying to figure out you know like if something were to happen to me how could i get by with thirteen thousand dollars uh on a, on a stipend basis no i mean you're absolutely right that rutschman is um not perfect but at this given moment him coming into the league he could compete for an all-star position, is my opinion. Here's something crazy. Yeah. Um, Rutschman's been playing some first base. Of course. 20, 20 games, I think, at, yeah. at first base so that he has some familiarity with the position. Yeah. Um, that, in my opinion, is tremendous. I mean, I think it's terrible, honestly. I think it's a terrible idea. Um, because honestly, it just shows me that he doesn't like Trey Mancini. Uh, he doesn't want to offer Trey Mancini a contract. Um, and it, it clearly just shows that, you know, he, he, he hates everybody. No, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. He is in the Pete Alonso camp. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the greatest, uh, power hitter, greatest ever power lived. hitter that ever lives. Yes. Uh, clearly by having him play at least some first base, sure. they're setting him up for a $161 million contract. Hmm. That's a good, good idea. 
you know, it, 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 we talked about Mountcastle earlier, and I mentioned at the very beginning of the season talking about you know getting Mountcastle some more reps at first base, and I don't I don't think he's been terrible. I also don't think he's been great. I think the Orioles are just perusing their options, as it were, and seeing you know what kind of things in there. We know that he can DH. We know he can catch. What harm does it do to get him a, a little bit of active work at first base, barring something else that happens? But the Orioles are going to have to be creative. Of you know, Rutschman is going to be on the on the team, which he will be. And you've got Ryan Mountcastle who can't play any positions except for first base and DH. Then what are you doing with Trey Mancini? You're playing him anywhere he wants to be, Scott. Okay, I'm just asking this question. I'm moving on. Okay, our next tweet comes to us from. The Baltimore Orioles, who mm-hmm. tweet at Orioles. The home run belt is an incredible development. And there's a, a video of some Orioles wearing the home run belt. Scott, this is an important question. Sure. And I'm going to lay this before you. And you are the final arbiter. Yes. Here. Is this fun or is this sad and desperate? This is sad and desperate. So there's no part of this that's fun. I don't think so. Is there... Is there the argument to be made that for the players, it's fun, and for the fans suffering through a terrible season, it's sad and desperate? I look at this as um, something that Brandon Hyde rolled out and been like, guys, we got 60 days left. I'm going to throw this belt out here just to keep our interest in the games going forward, uh, going ahead. I mean, it just seems like a typical, like... Um, I've seen this done so many times in like the business world and the manufacturing world. Be like, hey guys, we're going to do this like thing where like if you do the best, you'll get this kind of reward. And it lasts for about 90 days and then it just disappears. How would you feel about this if this were a 92 win team? Um, I would say it's cute, but I don't think I'd get like super stoked about it. Not cute for a, uh, a 55 win team? I, like I said, it, it, it just. It's it's not that big of a deal to me, but I just don't think it's like I don't think it's an incredible development is the best way to put it. So Scott, you you have an opinion about this? Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, it's the right opinion. Yeah, like I said, it's if they're having fun with it. That's fine. I would imagine that we're not going to hear about this on a long period of time. I don't think this is going to turn into an Orioles tradition. I'm not hating on it. I just meh. Yeah. All right. Uh, next week comes from ooh the goat himself. Jim Palmer. You can follow him at Jim22Palmer. Actually, stop what you're doing. Yep, go do Pause that. this podcast. Go follow Jim Palmer on Twitter if you haven't. Yep. Then come back. Yep. Uh, and let him know that you've given up a Grand Slam and he hasn't. <laughs> uh, congrats to Mike Devereaux, J.J. Hardy, Joe Angel, and Mo Gabbo for their induction to the Orioles Hall of Fame. All integral parts of the Orioles' success on and off the field. Um, yeah, it was uh, Orioles Hall of Fame induction on, uh, on Saturday. Uh, the game was significantly delayed uh from starting uh the game was supposed to start at 705 and i believe it got started at 740 um so yeah i mean I'm, I'm glad everyone got a chance to talk and everything like that too just seems like some poor timing <laughs> um by the orioles and the advocates to basically figure out how long each individual is going to talk here's a weird thing yeah uh brett hollander yeah was the mc yeah okay brett hollander yeah does that mean that Brett Hollander is the new Jim Hunter? Oh, uh, I don't think anybody can be the new Jim Hunter. I think uh, Jim Hunter <laughs> gets his own award like Abaldo Jimenez and Chris Davis. Scott? Yes. Is Jim Hunter an Orioles Hall of Famer? 
No, there's no chance that Jim Hunter is an Oriole. So I think Jim Hunter would say, absolutely, I'm an Orioles Hall of Famer. But there's no chance that Jim Hunter is an Orioles Hall of Famer, right? I want you to be right with every fiber of my being, but I'm not sure that you are. So it's like, does that mean like Tom Davis is an Orioles Hall of Famer? I'm like, no, he's not. Like he did his work, but he's not an Orioles Hall of Famer, right? I want you to be right with every fiber of my being, and I love, I love Tom Davis. The only way that Jim Hunter is an Orioles Hall of Famer going forward, if it is a sponsored award from Catholic Charities in Baltimore. <laughs> You opened your mouth, and I knew where it was going before we got there. Uh, no, Jim, Jim Hunter should not be in the Orioles Hall of Fame. Uh, there are plenty of people um, from the Buckle Up Birds era that should be in the Orioles Hall of Fame before that. It's as simple as that. All right. All right. I hear you. I, I will put my Jim Hunter uh, fan fiction aside. Okay. So, Dear God, burn that. <laughs> We've walked our way through Orioles baseball at 280 characters or fewer. Scott, let's take a quick break. And instead of this mess, I want to look to the future. Scott, I am delighted that you're back from vacation. Customs was not. <laughs> but I have to be honest with you. When it comes to the Baltimore Orioles, you you did not miss much. Well, that's a shame. Yeah, and, and if we're being honest, I'm I'm simply not in the mood to take a look back at the week that was in Orioles baseball. It was distinctly not fun. A- and if we're continuing to be honest... I'm not sure that any of our listeners are looking forward to us breaking down all the excitement of the 12 to 3 beating we took or whatever else there was. So let's ignore the painful present and let's look to the future. Scott, I want to engage in some dangerously bold predictions. Okay. I want to take this podcast, which is famous for its lack of insight and baseless opinion, and I want to turn it into a lack of foresight and uh, baseless opinion. opinion. So, Scotty, mm-hmm. it's a simple question. Okay. And I need an answer. Truth. I'm going to go with truth. <laughs> Will Adley Rutschman be the real thing, TM? All right. So, uh, since this is a trademark, there has to be uh, some uh, definition behind that trademark. Uh, what does real thing mean? I'm going to ask you first. Yes. To answer without and then I will expand and then I'll allow you sure. to change your answer. Do uh, you think Adley Rutschman is going to be the real thing? I, I do. I do think he is going to be the real thing. Um, I think that he is going to be a all-star game kind of player uh, on occasion. Uh, on, I, I think that, you know, on a prolonged period, we'll potentially look back at it and say, uh, knock on wood, he was the best catcher in an Orioles franchise. Okay. Um, and again... There's well, there's been some decent catchers. We've talked about Chris Hoyles in the past. We've talked about Matt Wieters. You can include Dempsey in there. Geronimo Hill. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Geronimo Hill. But again, you're, you're looking at a bunch of players that are, we'll call it 20 to 25 war players. Again, decent careers. Yeah. Um, above average even, I would say. Um, but no one that really stands out as being like, wow. Um, 
so I, I think looking at what Adley puts out there um, and, and looking at, you know, obviously him being able to play DH catcher and maybe the occasional first base, uh, I think Adley Rutschman will be the real thing, yes. All right. So you, you went through all that. Great answers. Let me continue to frame okay. this discussion. If Adley Rutschman was only Matt Weeder's 2.0, is that a failure? Um, all right, so here is the caveat. Uh, and I, I think I've mentioned this before. My major caveat on this whole basis is Adley really has to be almost like a Machado-level talent. Uh, otherwise, you're in trouble because you've got Grayson Rodriguez, you got Dia Hall, but I don't know if you have enough to basically make um, uh, enough of a value. Um, you need to have that value in your franchise in order to basically be a playoff caliber team. So would it be a disaster and would it be a failure? In this given instance, I'd have to say probably yes, only because I don't think the Orioles have somebody else in their prospect wings at a positional player basis that could replace him. So like Weeders had Machado in the wings to replace him. I don't know if I could say the same thing. I think you've struck the pivotal point of the question. Yeah. And that is, Adley Rutschman has to be Matt Weeders' facts, not yes. Matt Weeders. Yeah. If, if the club can't sustain beyond him. If the club... Yeah, if the rebuild's going to be successful, he has to be Matt Weeders' facts. I, I don't know that that's... I don't know that that's right. Okay. He, here's my thesis, and you can tell me what's wrong with sure. it. Sure. Because I've been wrong before. My thesis is... If the rebuild is successful, mm-hmm. that means that the Orioles continually draft, develop, and produce effective major league talent to the point that you don't have to have absolute home runs. And so, yep. if if Adley Rutschman is only Matt Wieters in an era where the Orioles are good, continually good, mm-hmm. and can build around Matt Wieters mm-hmm. to build championships, I say good enough. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, I I see where you're going with this, and I can kind of agree with it. The only caveat I would make is that's the most polite way you've ever said I'm an idiot on the show. No, well done. I mean, he is 23 years old. Um, it, it is a matter where we do have to give consideration that he's probably going to play for no more than 10 years. I mean, let's be frank. I mean, he could play longer. Catcher's rough, but catch, catcher's rough. So it's like. There is this basis of, yes, you can kind of build around him, but you can't be thinking about him as a Manny Machado or a Cal Ripken or someone that's going to be like this franchise player for 12 to 15 years. You, in essence, have a 10-year cycle to basically do it. And in reality, I think you have a, a six to eight-year cycle if he's even if he's really good, like we're talking about, to do it. And I get concerned on this basis of, I get what you're saying. Like you're going to be able to draft, you're going to be able to pull any additional players, but like from a position player standpoint, is that really going to work? Like you might be able to do a pitcher. Like I think, you know, we made the joke about Kumar Rocker as it relates from the draft. And I still think it's absolutely hilarious what's going on with him and what happened with the Mets organization, but it's a lot easier to pull someone up like a lighter or a Kumar Rocker in one or two years than it is a position player in one or two years. Um, so again, I look at that depth within the positional ranks of the Baltimore Orioles organization. I'm like, you kind of have to go with what you got. And I think that's also coming back to the draft thing, why the Orioles went so heavy with bats, because when they get to 
2023-2024, it'd be a lot easier for them just to go get college arms to supplement as opposed to developing bats at that time. Gosh, I hope you're right. I, I hope that Adley Rutschman is is more the real thing than we could ever imagine. Yeah. Gosh, I hope you're right. I really hope, and like I said, everything that I watch from him, it seems like he's got it. He's got the power for it. Um, he's got the plate discipline. I, I I understand what Elias is saying, that he's not perfectly polished. But man, he is really close. Um, and I agree with you too. Like It's only a matter of time before we see him in Baltimore at some point next season. Um, and I think it's going to be just like when Weeders came up and you and I both went to that game and watched him hit. That'll be a game that it'll be very interested in. You see the attendance of that game. Um, I think it'll easily be a 30, 35,000 fan attendance game. I disagree with you. Okay. I disagree with you. Okay. It will be like 2131. Ooh. Every Baltimore. Oh, every Baltimorean will be was there. there. Yeah. 10 years from now, everyone will yeah. say I was there. I still think that there's just so much hype from a number one draft pick uh, and also a number one prospect in Major yeah. League Baseball yeah. that it will be a, a monster game. I mean, you had 30,000 people come out for a Jim, Jim Palmer bobblehead. Um, I still think that it's going to be – when Weeders came up, I understand Weeders wasn't who we thought he was going to be. But it was still like when that happened, it was like a light switch came on and it was just like, okay – it's time to start thinking that we can actually do this. I don't think it's fair to compare it to Jim Balmer bobblehead night because yeah. I know that Adley Rutschman will never give up a grand slam. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right, Scott. Matt Weeders could have because he, <laughs> he, he, he pitched and catch. So. <laughs> All right. So uh, Adley Rutschman, the real thing. Yes. Next question. Yeah. Slightly less um, uplifting. Okay. The Orioles right now at a 345 winning percentage are on pace for a 56-win season. Okay. The franchise worst is 47 games, as recently as 2018. Uh, I believe you remember. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is this. Prediction time. Yep. Will the Orioles in 2021 be the worst in franchise history? Absolutely not. That, that would require them to, by the way, have, an I think, an 8-44 and 44 no, there's, finish. There's no chance. I mean, this team has finished in the past four and thirty-two. Yeah, but they have the home run belt now. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean the home run belt they gave themselves, not the home run belt that Pete Alonso took from right? Exactly. Mancini. Okay, yeah. okay, that now, one. I, 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 I hear you saying it's possible. I, I just am not expecting it. Is the best way to put it. Okay, I hear you. I think you're right. Yeah. However, I would like to point out. Yep. For the record. Yep. That this question is not crazy. It's it's not insane. Look at last week. Yeah, it's not insane. The Orioles won one game last week. It's just implausible. One game. Yeah. It's not insane. It's just implausible. If they had a week like that for the rest of the season, and there were jokes on this very podcast about, oh, the Orioles got their weekly win. Yeah. They have had that, that kind of streak. We've had weeks this season, and it hasn't happened before, where we literally went a week and we're like, they didn't win a game this week. <laughs> So, I mean, it's possible, but like I said, 8 and 44, I don't know. Like, that's that's really tough for me to believe. Scotty, every game has a different star. That's the magic of Orioles yeah, baseball. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. I, I, I just don't think the math works out. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy to me that it's not implausible. Yeah. 
Um, so Major League Baseball continues to do odd things, such as, you know, offer potential broadcasts to Barstool and everything like that, too. Um, so we're coming up on um, a contract negotiation at the end of the season. Um, is there going to be a work stoppage after the CBA expires in this offseason? I have to be honest, I'm really pessimistic about it. Okay. And particularly in the way that I watched baseball and the players negotiate over COVID. Yep. I think that there may be a work stoppage. I I think you're right that there'll be a work stoppage will impact games. Like, I think the CBA will break, but will it impact games? It will certainly impact spring. Yep. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, it costs season games. You're in season game, not spring training games. Yes. Okay, so we're going to get to 154 games is what you're telling me. I think so. Okay. Uh, in a shortened season, the Orioles have shown in the past that they do very, very well. 1994 is a great example where the Orioles were, I believe, first place yeah. in 1994. Uh, and uh, even in the COVID shortened season, the Orioles did better than expected. We'll call it that much. Um, does a shortened season help the Baltimore Orioles in, t- in 2022? No, but it does help Baltimore Orioles fans mm-hmm. for having to sit through fewer games. Okay. Well, there you go. What about you? I mean, do you think that the 2022 season will be impacted by uh, a labor uh, stoppage? I don't. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of kerfuffle, and I think there's going to be a lot of hullabaloo. Um, and I think posturing. That, po- posturing, and it may get into a situation where um, the, the sides both walk away for like a week or two. Uh, but then they come back and kumbaya up and there's some, you know, gentleman's agreement made. There's just too much money on the table. Yeah, I I hope you're right. Yeah, there's just too much money on the table and, and everything like that, too. So um, going back onto the field, um, you know, Cedric Mullins crossed the threshold this week of going 20 for 20, uh, 20 stolen bases and 20 home runs. Uh, and after the game, he was asked that question of like, Hey, what do you think about 30 for 30? And he said, you know, it's not impossible. Like it's it's technically feasibly possible that I could get to 30 to 30, so we'll just see what happens. Uh so I think the numbers come out to be like he would have to hit home runs in every like 5.6 or 5.8 at bats or something like that. Um Jake, what are your thoughts on on Cedric going 30 for 30? I think he falls just short. Okay. I think we go into the last series of the season against the Red Sox on cedric mullins watch oh okay and for having nothing to watch for the for the previous you know 158 games of the season yeah it's going to be must-see tv every time cedric mullins comes to the plate and you know much like what 1982 yeah it's going to come down to the end and we're going to come up short yeah, I, I mean, that would be great, and that would be a great story, um, and it would be really fun to watch that, especially since it looks like the Red Sox are going to have a similar 2011 season on the basis of how they're playing recently. I, I don't think Cedric Mullins is going to come that close. Uh, I know that we just talked about him um, doing as great as he is. Um, I, I don't see 30 home runs. I see 25 or 26, which is still a great season for him, but I just don't see 30 home runs. I'm sorry. Can you imagine a 30-30 Cedric Mullins 30 for 30? That is a lot of 30s. To tell the whole story of his season from where he's been. That'd be pretty cool. To how the season has gone and the chase for that. If that scenario that I just laid out happened, yep. 
ESPN would be insane not to 30 for 30. Oh, that, that's true. And it could be brought to you by the number 30. Ah, 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 I'm so glad you're back. Yeah, no problem. But yeah, I, I think 26, 27 home runs is probably where I would put him at right now. I think he'll fall just short. I actually have no concerns about him hitting 30 stolen bases. Um, I just don't see the power getting there to 30 home runs. But, um, you know, outside of a 30 for 30 season, I don't really care. Um, if someone comes to me and says, like, who are the Orioles who have had a 30 for 30 season? I'd be like, I don't know. But I can tell you right away, like, who's had some of the greatest seasons of all time. Um, and, you know, this is a season that I would instantly remember and be like, Cedric Mullins was the 2021 Orioles. Um, and, and kind of going from there. That's a really mean thing to say about him. <laughs> <laughs> that was. I apologize. That, that was not necessary. All right. Let's, let's ask you this then. Okay. Scotty, will Trey Mancini or John Means get a contract extension in this offseason? Yes. First of all, Trey Mancini is going to get a con- contract extension. Really? Yeah. There's no question in my mind. Huh. What do you think the terms on that are going to be? Uh, I think it's going to be like... I mean, forget the money. I don't care about that. What, what contract length do you think he would get? I'm thinking like three years. Okay. Okay, and he's 29? Is no, he 28? I think he's, I think he's older than that. I think he's like 30. No, I think he's 28 or 29. But I don't think so. If if he were to get a three-year deal, he would still... He's 29. Okay, so that puts him to 32. Yeah, he's, he's he can still... Well, again, that's, he's also got one more year left. So, I mean, that puts him out to four years. So, it's 33. Still, that's not bad. And I think it comes back to you basically say, hey, we're going to pay you an additional th- three years. We're going to pay you... $10 million a year, 10 or $11 million a year. So we're going to give you 33, 44 million, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, and I, like I said, I think it's a relatively low, low issue deal. Like I said, I think it's a very minor risk yeah, standpoint. And he can still go get a contract after that. If he's still good. And of and, course, you know, we, we buy feels for three years. I, I like that. I like that. I, I hope you're right. What about means? Um, I think means makes a ton of sense. Uh, and again, this comes back down to if you truly feel like you're getting into the point of being competitive, why not start to solidifying pieces? Uh, I know means is, you know, got several years of arbitration. He'd actually be entering into his first year of arbitration, um, this upcoming off season. Uh, and I, I hate to come back to the previous regime, but let's talk about the previous regime really quickly. One of the biggest issues with the previous regime was an unwillingness to go and um, sign players early enough in arbitration to lengthy deals. I think you've seen enough from John Means um, at this point to say, yep, we're willing to basically sign you for a five, six-year deal and basically buy out the remaining years of your arbitration in order to basically have you for these next five or six years. Do you think it's possible that it, I would be surprised to see a deal that long? Let me let me just say that. But but if you were to, but wouldn't it shut everybody up? Oh yeah, absolutely. It would just shut everybody up. And again, you look at John Means. You know, twenty eight years old. A five or six year deal makes a ton of sense. It's the basis of you don't have to be worrying about going to arbitration for three the upcoming three years, uh, and then you got it for two additional years afterwards. It, it it just sets up really well from a financial and economical basis. 
specifically for a small market team like the Baltimore Orioles. So I'm really glad you said that because my next question was, don't you think by not letting him get to arbitration, you have the ability as the club to save some money? Uh, Yes and no. Like it may not save you money in 2022. You actually may pay more money. But over the length of the contract. But over the length of the contract, you could potentially save money um, accordingly. And again, you're also getting into a basis, you know, as much as we hate the Chris Davis contract, it also gives you a situation too of saying, hey, we're somewhat deferring money into the current year so that we have additional money on the back end um, to do additional things when we need to be competitive in 2023, 2024, and 2025 as well. Um, I Like I said, I it'll be very interesting, like I said, in terms of what the Orioles do, but I feel like they're at a point now that they can start, in essence, signing some players to some longer-term contracts um, that are coming up for these contracts that haven't been a conversation piece for several years now. Um, John Means is definitely one of those people that is finally starting to hit arbitration that you would think you would want to build around. My goodness, I hope you're right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. And again, it also give a lot of good dynamics in terms of understanding what liquidity um, and what um, John Angelus is going to do different than Peter did uh, in terms of offering contracts to arbitration eligible players as well. Uh, Jake, um, the American League East is crazy right now. Uh, You've got the Rays, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, and then the Yankees all kind of battling it out. But uh, the Yankees... I feel like there's another team there. Yeah. The Yankees and the Red Sox have been scuffling lately, and there has been talks about the Yankees potentially blowing up the team in this offseason and starting from from square. Um, Will the Orioles win a World Series before the Yankees do? That's a really good question. That is a really good question. I, I think that it is such... I think it's a, such an unknown because... <clears throat> hate them, love them, whatever. We are in a lull between Yankee dynasties right now. Right? Like, whatever whatever happened in you know in the 90s and aughts, the, the Yankees haven't hit the next big thing. And the question is, can the Orioles reload and, and win to take advantage Mm -hmm. of that lull. And they're always going to be there. They're always going to be lurking about is the best way to put it. But I'm not sure they're ever going to be, I'm not, I'm not sure they're going to be great until they're great. Right. If if that makes any sense. They're not, they're, they're always going to be good. It does. And it's the aspect of, you know, I would say coming into this year and even the past two years, I looked at the talent that is on that roster and I'm like, how is this team not winning is the best way to put it. Um, And now you're starting to see players, age out um you know the yankees have you know still got a great farm system let's not take it away from on that basis but like they've traded away a few players here and there so like there is that question of like you know i don't think they're entering into a true rebuild like the orioles are entering into a true rebuild but are they going to have to flush out certain players and are we not going to see players like brett gardner are we not going to see uh folks like orlis chapman anymore um, are we not going to see Zach with a K Britain going forward in the future? Like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to see new faces out there? I think, you know, judge is going to still be out there every single game, but are the Yankees going to look different going forward in the future? Um, and are they going to have to figure out what it's going to look like on the field? It's crazy to me <clears throat> with as, as, uh, dominated by the, the big markets as baseball is baseball actually has the greatest 
diversity of World Series of champion uh, winners compared to all the major sports. Baseball somehow is is weird that way. I say yes. The the Orioles win a World wow. Series before the Yankees. Okay, and, and I mean to be honest with you, it kind of so the Yankees win this year is what you're telling me. <laughs> it, it kind of requires that the Yankees be not great mm-hmm. for the Orioles to have a window to be great. Okay. Uh, finishing it up. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, obviously, some of the Orioles Hall of Famers. Uh, there's also been a lot of talk about retired numbers. Will the Orioles retire Adam Jones's number or anyone else from the Buckle Up Birds era? Okay. So I've actually thought a great deal about this. Okay. Retiring a number is is a thing. There's a process for it. The, mm-hmm. the Baltimore Orioles have defined it. Yep. We retire numbers when a player makes it to the Baseball Hall of Fame yep. as an Oriole. Yep. Right. Jim Tomey's number is not required, nope. not retired. Vladimir Guerrero's number is not retired. Right. You have to be an Oriole through and through in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yep. And so, no, I love Adam Jones. He's not a Baseball Hall of Famer. Yep. They're not going to retire number 10. However... This is the however. I've been thinking about this. I think that there is something required that the team is not doing. And that is, I think that they need to put a hold on numbers. Not a retirement, Mm -hmm. but I think it would be great to have either as part of a player being inducted into the Orioles Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. or as part of of simply a player's time in Baltimore ending and everybody knows it, Mm -hmm. for the Orioles to say, for the next... X years, no Baltimore Oriole will wear 10. Adam, you've meant so much to this club. These years have been momentous. You're one of the best Orioles of all time. You don't you don't meet the requirement for us to retire your number, but... We're putting on probation. Nobody... Yeah, double secret probation. Yeah. Nobody will wear 10 for five years or whatever it is. And And I say that because... I was not ready to see another player wear one mm-hmm. after Brian Roberts went to New York. Right. I wasn't ready for another player to wear 21. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for another player to wear number two mm-hmm. after J.J. Hardy retired. I think it would be great of the team to say, look, we've got a process. We're not retiring your number. However, we're going to make this effort to show you how special you were to this organization. And you can do that. Yeah. All the time. All right. So I, I get what you're coming from, and I it's kind of like a partial retirement. Yeah. Can I make a, a slight modification to your suggestion? Do it. All right. So I think in the spirit of the Oriole way, I think it actually be a lot cooler to do this, where in essence, you're not retiring the number, but you're giving the number to them, but the player eventually has to give the number away to a player of his choosing. Ooh. Okay. So it's like, it's kind of in the reserve. But like you're not pulling that number out for anybody, but the number could be pulled out from the reserve for the right player. Okay. You mean like during the the window? Like not even during the window. It just it goes into the reserve and then it's basically like, hey, um, Adam, when you come across a player or we present a player to you that we feel is special enough, we want you to basically gift that number to that next generation of Orioles player. All right. I I still think that there needs to be again. A procedure, yep. a defined procedure. Yep. Uh, because I feel like you know it's it's enough to say 
we know what a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer is. Yep. We know what an Orioles Hall of Famer sure. is, right? And so for this number moratorium, yep. this number, you know, uh, hold, yep. I feel like we should know the thing. Hey, 10's going into, in you know, into the icebox for X, yep. you know, whatever that is. But wouldn't it be cool to have, like, an on-field ceremony where, like, Adam Jones comes out and just, like, yes. hey, I'm handing the jersey off of me onto you, and I'm basically giving you my number and you are now the ambassador for this number going yeah, forward. Absolutely. No, I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it actually reminds me very similar of, um, you remember the 60th anniversary, yeah. uh, where the, all the Orioles legends came out. Um, it kind of reminds me of that, of like the passing down of the torch throughout the generation. I think we've got something. It. We need to get in touch with the Orioles PR department right now. Like they don't want to talk to us. They we're, we're, yeah. we're on their blacklist. <laughs> they do not. All right. Um, you know, uh, that was fun to do predictions and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm sure most of those are going to come out wrong because it's bird's eye view. Um, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break and try to discern some other um, aspects of the world that surrounds us uh, with Orioles baseball. Fortune's forecast, lucky charms. Get the dope with your horoscope. Fortune tell us how droll. Um, stop the curve. They may be bandits. They may be bandits. Scotty, how do we make such bold predictions with such certainty? I, I'm not exactly sure what we just did. Um, all I know is um, that was an impressive scene from the Jungle Book. <laughs> uh, human beings, Scott yes. Magnus, are wired. We are we are designed. To attempt to make order of chaos. We take the natural world that is around us and we assign supernatural clairvoyance to what we see. What is in that beer that you're drinking this evening? It's the truth, Scott. It's the truth. It's the truth. There's so many ways that we do this and, and have done this as a species. But Great. one of those ways is astrology. Oh, Okay. I want to explore that a little bit right now, but this is an Orioles podcast, so we can't just deal with the 12 standard zodiac signs. Instead, Scott, for our study of the stars, to be able to make such bold bold, and clear and accurate predictions, we need to uh, put our exhaustive knowledge of both the pseudoscience of astrology and Orioles baseball together to give us new signs to govern our baseball future. So Scott, I want to work through the signs. Okay. I saw the sign. No, no, no. This is this is uh the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Oh, gotcha. signs. We're gonna walk through the zodiac signs. <clears throat> I'm gonna tell you a little bit. We're we're gonna tell you a little bit about these signs. Okay. What they what they are and what they mean. And then we're gonna repurpose them into an Orioles icon. Okay. Basically what is the new um sign going to be? And then I'd like to talk a little bit about the constellations behind them all right gotcha all right so l- l- can i can i lay it out for you l- sure let me let me show give me, you give me an example of what you've come up here because i've got a few thoughts as well but go ahead and start all right so the zodiac um list starts with aries why does it start with aries i don't know it's march why would we start in march i i i may have overstated our exhaustive knowledge of this particular suit <laughs> welcome <science>. bird's eye view <laughs> <laughs> all right aries March 21st to April 19th. Here's a description of Aries. This is all Aries, all the time. No nonsense. March 21st to April 19th. So this is you to a T if you're in that birth period. 
Aries loves to be number one. So it's no surprise that these audacious rams are the first sign of the zodiac. Bold and ambitious, Aries dives headfirst into even the most challenging situations. Aries is passionate, motivated, and a confident leader who builds community with their cheerful disposition and relentless determination. Uncomplicated and direct in their approach, they like things quick and dirty. So, yeah, this is the description of the first zodiac sign. And okay. and for millennia, that has been represented by the ram. By the ram. Sure. I, I say no more. Yeah. When it comes to Orioles baseball, that description, passionate, determined, confident leader, David direct. <laughs> I say Adam Jones. I think Adam Jones makes a ton of sense here. And coming back to that aspect of Builds community with their cheerful disposition or loneliness determination. I think Adam Jones is a, a classic example uh, of this individual of you know being an Aries. Um, and I think it's a matter of just figuring out what kind of symbol do you put out there for him. Well, I, I think we need to call this this uh, sign the grinder. Okay, right. Um, which is slightly dangerous, but I'm going to I'm going to call the the grinder. Is that with an Is there an E in there? Or is yes. it just okay? Yes, just that's very sure. important. Just don't want to hit the trademarks. When I stare up into the sky. Yeah, and just I'm, be careful staring up in the sky when I stare up, grinders. When I stare up into the night sky, and I'm making pictures of of the natural wonders of of the star field, I I see this symbol, and that is the grinder, and it is a it is a circle of stars. Mm-hmm. And at first, I thought, well, maybe it's a, a bubblegum pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, oh, Adam Jones, the grinder, the first sign of the Orioles zodiac. But I realized how wrong I was, Scott. How how. Naive, Naive. I was. It wasn't a bubblegum pop. It was a pie. Pie, of course. It was a pie. So the first sign of the Orioles Zodiac is the grinder, represented by the circular star pattern of the pie. All right. So I I think I get this now. So um, Taurus is our next symbol, April 20th through May 20th. Um, Let's see if I can get this quite right. Taurus enjoys relaxing and serene bucolic environments surrounded by... Soft sounds, soothing aromas, and succulent flavors. Is this Dong's After Dark? It may be. Taurus is ruled by Venus. Oh, yeah. The enchanting planet that governs love, beauty, and money. Taurus is enchanted by any physical manifestation of comfort and luxury. Pleasure is a necessity for the Epicurean Taurians, and they may feel most content when pampered. I love the fact that you made it through Epicurean Taurians. <laughs> That's it. That, that one definitely stretched me a little bit there. But, um, you know, for Taurus, I guess you have to be stretched out a little bit. <laughs> so, folks, this has to be seductive Tommy Hunter, right? It's got to be seductive Tommy Hunter, uh, an individual that, you know, just enjoys the pleasures of life, as it were, um, and just enjoying the succulent flavors of this world that we are in. So... The the name, if it, we can't go with the seductive Tommy Hunter, no. what about Don Juan? Don Juan, I like it. Uh, so if we're going with uh, Don Juan as representation, obviously, of seductive Tommy Hunter, uh, obviously, we've got to look up into the sky, and I'm seeing, you know, uh, a, a little bit of a pattern up there, and it kind of looks like a, a neck. And I, I hope that's not you easy. Know, easy, chief. You know, it's kind of stretching out, you know, pretty, it's going to a base. Oh, wait. 
that looks like maybe a wine bottle. I thought it was something else. I just had to flip it around in my head. So it looks like we've got a bottom or low there um, and not something else that I originally thought it was turning out to be. All right. So uh, Taurus no more. Yeah. We're now the Don Juan. The Don Juan. The seductive Tommy Hunter and the the uh, Starfield. The, the constellation is the Merlot bottle. The Merlot bottle. All right. I like it. Uh, next one is going to be Gemini, uh, May 21st through June 20th. Uh, have you ever been so busy that you wish you could clone yourself just to get everything done? That's the Gemini experience in a nutshell. Appropriately symbolized by the celestial twins, this air sign was interested in so many pursuits that it had to double itself. Because of Gemini's intrinsic duality, they're often falsely represented as two-faced. But in reality, however, Gemini really have a hidden agenda. Playful and intellectually curious, Gemini are constantly juggling a variety of passions, hobbies, careers, and friend groups. They are the social butterflies of the Zodiac. So this is a tough one uh, to kind of put together. But I was thinking along the lines of, you know, who is kind of these two playful, you know, groups. And I thought, too, like Gary Roenick and John Lowenstein from the Why Not era. Mm. Uh, so I, I'm trying to think of what we could call this. What about the platoon? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. So we just call it the platoon. Um, and, you know, when I look up in the sky, I come across kind of a wavy pattern of um, of stars. And then underneath of it, it is kind of like a mirrored version of it, oh. of this wavy thing. Uh, and it's actually a pair of inverted mustaches on top of each other. I like this. So yeah. the platoon from the Why Not area, uh, yeah. as graphically displayed by a pair of mustaches. What's really odd about it is Don Juan is actually looking at it from the western sky and looking at the eastern sky at these intertwined mustaches as well. I don't know what that means, but there's probably some sudden, subtle context around that. All right, we're going to move directly on from there. That, that's oh, great. yeah, you're going to move directly on. That's great. I love the platoon. Well done there, Scotty. <clears throat> we're going to move on to cancer now. This is uh, June 21st to July 22nd. And uh, first of all, I'm just going to say my first thought when I hear cancer is clubhouse cancer. And so that's clearly an Aubrey Huff reference. But we're going to move on. We're going to move on. Here is what uh, is the description of uh, cancer. These crabs are highly sensitive to their environments, as well as extremely self-protective. Much like their celestial spirit animal, cancers are shielded by hard external shells. At first, these crabs may be perceived to be cold or distant. But with time, cancers reveal their gentle nature, genuine compassion, and mystical capabilities. Just, be, don't, surprise, just don't be surprised if it takes a while to get to know them. So this is like a wise, introverted sage, almost. Yeah, yeah. Hard on the outside. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe unwelcoming at, right. f- at first, but hard of gold. Right. Um, and so looking at this description, I think uh, Eddie Murray. I think Eddie Murray is a really good one. I mean, you've heard Cal Ripken talk about him all the time in this given regard of um, being out there, kind of seeing him through uh, from a development standpoint. But again... Uh, media did not like Eddie Murray at all. Like, not at all. Um, and again, uh, you know, Eddie has very, very tough to get through and get into talking. But once he starts talking, he is very prolific and very knowledgeable. But it's sometimes difficult for him to get in. Again, um, definitely a different personality than we saw before um, with Grinder. Um, but again, two equally compassionate slash mystical beings. Would it be all right? Would it be acceptable to call this constellation Steady Eddie? I think so. Okay. I think so. What what when we look up into the night sky uh with our with our telescope? Of course. Or the naked eye. 
uh, what are we looking for for a steady eddy? Uh, so if I'm looking for steady eddy because I've drinking plenty of those beers, uh, I'm looking for a a cluster of stars that is kind of you know fluffing out as it were. Uh, I'm looking for the fro cluster uh, as it were uh, to represent uh, the good old days with Eddie Murray. Okay, all right. Let's move on to Leo. This is July 23rd to August 23rd. Leo, vivacious, theatrical, and passionate. Leos love to bask in the spotlight and celebrate themselves. These lions are natural leaders, and they enjoy cultivating relationships that are artistically and creatively inspired. Playful Leos have no problem leaning into drama and are perfectly suited for the tabloids. These astrological divas never get tired of lavish dinners, exclusive parties, or decadent designer wear. Scott, I've got this one. This is an easy one. This is an easy one. Jim Palmer. There's no question. And I'm calling this sign the jockey. The jockey. I like it. Now, again, I struggled to select the perfect constellation for the jockey. Uh, It would have been easy to, to train your eye to look for perhaps a horse and rider. Yep. It would have been uh, easy enough for me to uh, try to train my eye to look for a terrine of turtle soup. Right. A stack of pancakes. Uh, a stack of pancakes. Um, I think I'm going with man facepalm. And and I have seen and, and listened to enough Jim Palmer heavily sighing as <sighs> the club fails to know that when we don't see him, He's face palming. He's face palming, and so that is what I see when I when I look up into the stars and and I identify the jockey. It is the face palm. There you go. We're entering into Virgo next, August twenty third through September twenty second. Uh, Virgos are logical, practical, and systematic in their approach to life. This Earth sign is a perfectionist at heart and isn't afraid to improve skill through diligent and consistent practice. Above all else, Virgos want to help. They are kind, gentle, and supportive friends and lovers. Who use their incredible intellect and resourcefulness to problem solve. Uh, so this is my my birth sign, actually. Um, it's actually kind of scary how how similar that is. Um, very very odd. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, an individual that's going out there and just consistently practice from the Orioles. I think we're going to have to go with Cal Ripken Senior. Um, you, you know, the call it the, uh, the the so called Godfather of the Oriole way, as it were. So um, you know, I'm thinking about this and i'm not exactly sure what we can put out there for for cal ripken senior as kind of a cluster at this given point uh jake any ideas on your on your part so i'm going to reveal to you my nerdy uh understanding of of uh, astronomy wait a second there was a musical about astronomy (laughs) (laughs) not quite okay so um there are uh 88 recognized constellations okay uh many of them from ancient times some of them uh, recognized only after the advent of the telescope. Um, but there are 88 official constellations. And the thing is, is that beyond constellations, there are these other things. Uh, they're called asterisms. Beg- beg your pardon? Asterisms. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's an example. Ursa Major, that's a constellation. We all know it. We actually know part of it. The Big Dipper. The Big Dipper is not the same thing as Ursa Major. Major. The Big Dipper is part 
of of uh, Ursa Major. It's a it's a grouping of stars. It's not a constellation, but it's something that's easily identifiable from the sky. I guarantee you right now there's an astrologist listening to this and is super upset with you right now. Yeah. Anyway, my understanding is that it's called an asterism. There is an asterism that is perfect for this. And so we're going to use an existing one. Okay. I apologize. Uh, there is the 37 asterism. Okay. And so it would be it would be so easy for us to just take the seven part of that mm-hmm. and call that the senior. That portion, the senior, yeah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the 37 and we're going to squint mm-hmm. and we're going to tilt our head to the left until we can bring into focus an eight oh, okay. next to the 37 cluster. And that will can a three, complete. seven, eight for the for like the Ripken trio. Right. As it were. So the 37 asterism is the sign of the senior. Gotcha. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Next, let's move on to Libra. This is uh, September 23rd to October 22nd. Libra is obsessed with symmetry, balance, and harmony, and strives to create equilibrium in all areas of life. Libras adore high art, intellectualism, and connoisseurship. Suave Libras need to surround themselves with stunning objects and create environments that reflect their exquisite tastes. Accordingly, these air signs make excellent designers, decorators, art critics, and stylists. Hmm. Libras. The scales of justice mm-hmm. in our current uh, system, and and when we think of you know building things, of symmetry and balance, of creating harmony, this is the kind of thing a, a coach, a manager, does. But when we talk about scales of justice, baseball justice, we think instead to the courts mm-hmm. of nineteen sixties Baltimore Orioles, all the way back to the kangaroo courts of none other than Frank Robinson. And so Frank Robinson is our new Libra, the kangaroo. The kangaroo. And so gazing up into the sky, you can, you, if, if you just, if you look just right, you can see it in the eastern sky, the kangaroo. That is Frank Robinson, the new Libra. Can I make a, a minor suggestion to this? Please. If we've got the kangaroo, can we have a little like baby boog pal inside the pouch for the kangaroo? I'm uncomfortable with that. <laughs> I'm I'm very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable with that. with that. All right. Well, we're gonna go with that. So the sandwich. No. 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 Not even an asterism, sir. Okay. What do you think a kangaroo burger would taste like? I don't know, but I'm I'm willing to, to try it out. Willing to try it out. Okay. Uh, next one is Scorpio, October 23rd through November 21st. Uh, like their celestial spirit animal, the scorpion, Scorpios lie in wait and strike when least expected. Life is a game of chess for these calculating water signs who are constantly plotting several steps ahead in order to orchestrate. An invincible checkmate, and that does not mean their attentions are necessarily nefarious, but Scorpios simply know what they want and aren't afraid to work hard and play the long game to get it. Scorpios demonstrate unparalleled empathy, depth, and commitment. All right. Um, so I think this has to go to, if we're thinking about someone's calculated like this, I think it's got to go to Buck Showalter. It's an individual that clearly knows and is plotting and doing everything, um, sometimes over-plotting. And, uh, you know, you know, poisoning themselves, as it were, as part of that process. Um, but I think Buck Showalter is a great uh, example of, um, you know, the new essence of what this Scorpio could be. Here's a throwback. Sure. I, I'm considering calling this sign the most interesting man in baseball. Oh, I like that. Is that, too, is that too much of a mouthful? I think it's too much of a mouthful. <sighs> okay. Okay. We'll have to workshop this a little bit. Yep. Now, when I look into the sky and I think about uh, Buck Showalter, there's a, a collection of stars that, that at first I considered and I, and I thought, 
wow, that looks that looks so much like a heart, not like a human heart, like the symbol that we all call yeah. heart. And you know, Buck Showalter loves his guys, mm-hmm. and may- maybe that's the Buck Showalter, but I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I think if we're going to be true to this sign, um, if we just look a little bit to the west, um, we can see a, a collection of stars that that really resemble a flute. Ooh, I like that. And and so that you got to play it just the right way. It leads me directly to the nose whistle. Oh, that's good. Um, and so you know. Buck Showalter, known uh, for so many things, uh, bringing uh, to his uh, his pre- post game press conferences wit, wisdom, and uh, the nose whistle. Uh, so, if not the most interesting man in baseball, um, what about just the Buck? I like the Buck. I like okay. the Buck. Okay, we're gonna go with the Buck. All right, so Sagittarius is next. This is going to go from November to December 21st. Uh, Sagittarians are always on the quest for knowledge. Sagittarius uh, launches its many pursuits like blazing arrows, chasing after geographical, intellectual, and spiritual adventures. Fueled by wanderlust, these archers can be found traversing all corners of the earth, uh, thrill-seeking expeditions. And um, yeah, Sagittarius is a mutual sign. Uh, I'm sorry, a mutable sign, meaning it is associated with adaptability. Adaptability and flexibility. See, it eventually got me. Um, should have stopped the Taurus. Should have stopped Taurus. Uh, and this perfectly reflects the archer's deep rooted desire for change. Sagittarians are born to explore, and it is critical that these archers have the freedom to explore. Uh, so, this is someone that probably hasn't been with us that often. Like, he he comes he and moves goes. He, he, yeah, he, he just kind of moves around. Um, yeah, I think you you could go with maybe like Miguel Tejada, who was kind of here and then left. But I don't think you know quest for knowledge and many pursuits really fits. I feel like yeah, that's just not the right one. I'm feeling going back to the buckle up era. I'm thinking Nelly Cruz is a great example of someone um, that is this quest for knowledge. I mean, we talked about it um, back in the day with like him imparting various knowledge to Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope. The Rays just recently brought him in as well to kind of serve as that kind of veteran leadership um, basis for the team. Uh, absolutely crushed the Orioles this week as well um, from the Rays' point. As one does. As one does. But again, even when he hits three-run homers against us, it's hard for me to feel upset about it. I'm like, that's Nelson Cruz. Good for him. Uh, so I think Nelson Cruz is going to get the Sagittarius replacement here. Um, and then we've got a few options when we're looking up into the night sky um we could could you know go with the there looks like a missile up there with like the boom boom stick um but i I, i'm kind of leaning towards this kind of um old lady and it looks like she's almost in a rocking chair up there um and i think it's i think it's a grandmother um and i think that's probably the best one for this symbol um i think it might be time for to open the door grandma um so i think we're gonna go with the boom stick as the symbol's name and you can look up in the sky for the grandmother in the rocking chair and know that's the boomstick. I like it. I like it. All right. Let's uh, go to Capricorn, December 22nd to January 19th. Capricorn is represented by the sea goat, a mythological creature with the body of a goat and tail of a fish. Um, okay. Capricorns tap into their inner fortitude to overcome whatever stands between them and their long-term goals. And they don't let anything distract them from getting ahead. Uh, while they're terrific leaders, they must also be mindful of their workaholic tendencies. So when I think of uh, sea creatures mm-hmm. and Orioles baseball, 
it's it's difficult for me to avoid the the association with the Norfolk Tides mm. uh, and their their seahorse um, mascot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we're we're gonna have to call this this uh, sign the seahorse. Okay. Um, but it's not really about the tides. It's all about Jemai Jones, right? right? Let let's let him tap into his inner fortitude to overcome whatever stands between him and his long term goal of making the team. Also, the fans want that as a long term goal. Correct. Um, you know, you, you have the ability to look up into the sky and, and again, uh, you know, see another circular, uh, constellation that's a clock with no hands as time will never move for Jemai Jones and he'll never <laughs> escape stuck, from Norfolk. Stuck, stuck in the sea as it were. But I think if I, if I turn my head just right, instead I can see the seahorse. Mm-hmm. And so for me, Capricorn is the seahorse. Jake, uh, next one is Aquarius, and I guess we're in the age of Aquarius. So, Jake, I'll let you take this one away. Aquarius is represented by the water bearer, the mystical healer who bestows water or life upon the land. Accordingly, Aquarius is the true humanitarian. Every Aquarian is a rebel at heart. They despise authority and anything that represents uh, conventionality. Free-spirited and eccentric They can often be identified by their offbeat fashion sensibilities, unusual hobbies, and nonconformist attitude. Aquarius. Let the sun shine in. Um, I can think of nothing, nothing that represents that description better than Joe Angel. The true, not just the true humanitarian, the true human being. Yep. A rebel at heart. He... He had some fun at convention conventionality. He was a free spirit and often eccentric behind the mic. Um, but he was a mystical healer because he took the darkness of Orioles baseball yep. and he made it an enjoyable experience. Absolutely. So to me, Aquarius is Joe Angel. And I would like to call this the microphone. Okay. Okay. Uh, but when you look up to the, the sky... I don't see the mic. I've tried. I've tried to to draw the connections between the stars. I can't do it. But I do see the hand that is clearly waving bye-bye. There you go. And so for the microphone, for Joe Angel, that's Aquarius. And we're going to wrap it up with Pisces. Scotty, this is my sign, February 19th to March 20th. Pisces is symbolized by two fish swimming in opposite directions, representing the constant division of attention between fantasy and reality. As this final sign, Pisces has absorbed every lesson, the joys and the pain, the hopes and the fears learned by all the other signs. With such immense sensitivity, Pisces can easily become swallowed by emotions and must remember to stay grounded in the material realm. Sounds accurate. (laughs) Sounds very accurate. Scotty, I can think of no better Orioles surrogate for Pisces and Orioles fans themselves. But to say, Jake, it was almost like you were born to be this. Swimming in opposite directions? How often has the fan base turned on one another? Absolutely. Clearly pulling in opposite directions. D- constant division between fantasy and reality. Absorbing every lesson, including joys and pain. Swallowed by emotions. Yes, this is Oriole fans. And so when we take to the skies to look for Orioles fans... 
Uh, it would be one thing to, to look for, say, a, a handkerchief, uh, you know, to wipe all those tears. Uh, but to me, I'm caught by the image uh, that if you look just right, you can see the hat. Mm. You can see the hat of Wild Bill Hagee. We're calling this sign the fan. Orioles fans have overtaken Pisces in the sky and in the Zodiac. I was really hoping it would be like the Oriole bird logo up there and it'd be two opposing factions arguing whether it's a bird, an Oriole bird, or a duck. And being like, I like the duck. No, it is an Oriole bird. It can't be an Oriole bird because there would have to be a smaller constellation inside of it with a small constellation inside of that. That forever and ever or you can just go back to the old 1960s one where it's just kind of that little like apostrophe just in a there swoosh. a little swoosh in there yeah so scott that's it that's it we are going to continue to make our predictions we're going to continue to tell our futures we're going to continue to interpret our present by these astrological oriole signs and, and frankly i think that we have made here uh one of the most important developments in human history one second I'm just going to go ahead and take a look at the jockey symbol now. Yep. Still face palming about that comment. Congratulations. All right. Well, let's find out who won this week in fantasy, boss. Um, I didn't get to pick this past week, so Matt Taylor filled in for me. Uh, let's see who won this week. Oh, Matt, I expected better from you. Oh, when it comes to kissing, I just got to keep insisting, oh, baby. When it comes to kissing, I just got to keep insisting on daddy. You are the king. Baby, you've got me beat up and down, inside out and across. Oh, yeah. But in the middle of the night, when the moon is shining bright, you're the boss. All right, so the category was walk percentage. Matt chose Cedric Mullins for me. Uh, and Jake, you chose Ramon Urias. Uh, Mullins finished with a 3.7 walk percentage. Ramon Urias finished with a 6.3 percent. Uh, so I lose. Uh, Scotty, just out of curiosity, had you been here, had I asked you to pick a player for walk percentage, who would you have gone with? I probably would have gone with like Trey Mancini. Okay, is someone like that? Um, I have no clue what he would have done, but um, that's probably who I would have gone with as opposed to Mullins. Um, Mullins is a perfectly good choice, honestly. That's good chalk. Um, so I think that was that's a that's perfectly fine. I can't get too upset with Matt. If he would have picked like Pedro Severino, um, I probably would have gone to Nashville and killed him. Um, so yeah, um, Jake, you go up eight to six, um, and uh, I guess it's my turn to basically pick a category for this week. Uh, so Jake, uh, it's dong time. Who is going to hit the most amount of dongs this week for the Baltimore Orioles? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Okay. Cedric Mullins. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to go with the person I just talked about. I'm going to pick Trey Mancini. We're going to have a Mancini slash Mullins bash off to see who wins this week. Okay. Um, So let's see who owns it in the category of dongs. uh, And we'll come back next week and talk about that um, and see who won. With that, it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right, it's time again for the good, 
the bad and the ugly. I'll go ahead and get started. My good this week goes to Anthony Santander. I feel like we haven't had very many good weeks for Santander. He he still doesn't seem to be right physically all the way, uh, and I still don't love the effect that that has on him in right field. But his bat was alive this week. 185 weighted runs created plus. The fewest Ks amongst the rel- uh, the regulars. Uh, it was great to see. So Anthony Santander had a good week. I'm just going to go with Cedric Mullins. Three home runs this week. 185 weighted runs created plus. Entering into that elusive 2020 club. Yeah, Cedric Mullins is having a great season. Um, let's not forget about it. So he's my good for the week. All right, my bad is going to go to Orioles relievers not named Aiken or Deplon. Uh Everybody else gave up runs. Everybody. It was it was a sight to be seen. Ugh. Not good performances all around. Uh, yeah, definitely um, a pretty, pretty poor week. Um, you know, my bad for this week is going to go to Trey Mancini, who struggled at the plate this week in 22 plate appearances, only posting a 190 average. A 39 weighted runs created plus. I know Trey's going to bounce back from it, but it was just a bad week for him. Um, and we'll, you know, ride that rate of recovery uh, to, you know, a, 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 a fantasy boss victory this week. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Uh, all right. My ugly. Usually I, I pick on myself or you, but I'm going to give my ugly this week to Orioles fans, mm-hmm. specific Orioles fans who are beating their chests. Uh, both during and after the Orioles' seven to one victory over the Yankees, laughing at that you know suddenly ramped up team losing, being embarrassed by the Baltimore Orioles, only to have a very predictable rest of the week where the Orioles were um, subjected to a negative thirty run drubbing Oof. in the other five games. Yeah. It was uh, it was not fun. So the next time we have a good game and you decide to to be loud about it guys remember what the rest of the week is probably going to look like yeah just it's fun to cheer about it but let's not be too loud about it uh jake you mentioned the relievers and you're absolutely right it was gosh awful and we couldn't least certainly had a podcast all about it and talked about how terrible are but that's not fun uh instead you want to hear us talk about you know horoscopes and zodiac signs um but my ugly for the week is going to go to paul fry um, just an abysmal week. Um, 40.5 ERA, Oof. uh, 4.5 Ks per nine, 31.5 uh, walks per nine. He had no control over multiple games. Um, Paul Fry's broke. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Uh, obviously they don't want to release him. Um, but I don't see how that he can be used in any decently high leverage situation at this given moment. So really awkward position um, that they're in right now with Paul Fry. Is there a reliever that's not broke right now? Um, No, I don't think so. Paul Fry apparently does have options available, but it doesn't really make sense to option him, really. Um, But yeah, really ugly, ugly week from Paul Fry this week. No no doubt about it. Still, over the season, 1.3 F4 as a reliever, not bad. Man, really bad week. Really, really, really bad week. Maybe we should have traded him. No. No, we should not have. All right. Well, with that, why don't we go ahead and uh, blow the save? Um, Jake, um, I'll let you take it away. Scotty, I made a mistake this week. 
I want to talk to you about it. Uh, I did not go to the Hall of Fame game, or the, uh-huh. the game in which the uh, 2021 Orioles Hall of Fame ceremony took place. I thought about going to the luncheon for the first time ever, really. It, w- it was the first time that I, I was tempted to lay down some coin to go to the luncheon. Um, Mainly to apologize to J.J. Hardy for your wife accosting him? 100%. Okay. 100%. Um, but the mistake I made was... Uh, catching the ceremony on uh, YouTube a few days later, being unprepared for the feels. The feels. The Hall of Fame ceremony this year, Mike Devereaux, who yep. I grew up watching. Grow up, yep. I, I, I think you, you say the words Mike Devereaux, and I immediately envision the posture mm-hmm. of Devereaux leaning over the fence to rob a home run. I'm about to say, if you are a kid from the 90s in Baltimore, if you didn't practice like jumping up on the fence and just kind of leaning over and trying to catch a ball, I don't know what you were doing. Like, you just weren't living life the right way. Mike Devereaux. Mo Gabba. Yeah. Right. I mean, that would be enough emotional attachment right there. But then, J.J. Hardy. Yeah. Who, as you mentioned, my wife accosted, but also represents a link to the last good Orioles teams. Correct. And Joe Angel. Yep. Joe Angel, who, again, was a very emotional attachment for me because, you know, I've said a couple of times, you know, the Orioles have been lucky enough to have generational voices. Joe Angel was, you know, we're we're 38-ish. Yeah. Joe Angel was very much the voice of my generation. I was lucky enough to hear... Uh, John Miller on the radio, Chuck Thompson, Thompson, absolutely, absolutely. But as a as a you know kid, nine or ten, it was falling asleep and, and Joe Angel, and then he left and came back, and for me represented me you know falling in love with the team as an adult. Correct. Man, many, many a car rides, many a train rides, many everything. So just a lot of a lot of time. Um, and it almost became like a colleague is the best way to describe it um, in terms of your life uh, on a day in and day out basis. And, you know, he made consequential calls in good years for the Orioles. Correct. I I got hit by the feels in that Hall of Fame uh, uh, induction ceremony all up and down. Yep. It, it's the first time I think that I really like everybody that, that was on the, the dais you felt it was there for me. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that was that was my fault for not um, not being prepared, not thinking about it ahead of time, yep. not being ready. Uh, if you didn't watch the hall of, uh, hall of fame ceremony I- induction, you know it, you've got a little bit of time for it to be you know on in the background while you're doing something else. Yep. Do yourself a favor. Give it a listen. It's 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 worth listening to. Yeah. Just it'll it'll take you to places that uh well let's just say the Orioles this season haven't taken you better times reflect know that it's it's coming soon um and uh magic can be had and it's amazing how much good baseball can impact you um on that field basis is the best way to put it so yeah really special special evening not so nice so price for the lunch um but if that's your thing that's your thing but yeah, but yeah, it was uh, great to see it. Great to see J.J. Hardy. Great to see Joe Angel. Great to see Devereaux. Um, it was great to see uh, Mo's mom out there. Um, it just kind of put in perspective 
a, a lot of things is the best way to put it. So, And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Birds Over You is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu with you. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. Let's go O's. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.